Good morning, fellowship. That was pretty terrible. Good morning, fellowship. Oh, that was much better. It is so good to be with you. You know, and as we prepare our hearts for worship this morning, how blessed are we to have the freedom to be able to come into this place and gather as a spiritual family? You know, that, that is a no small part due to men and women in this very room who have served our nation with courage and sacrifice. You know, next, next weekend, November 11th, next Saturday is Veterans Day. And if you have served our, our country in the armed forces, would you please stand so that we could both acknowledge and express our deep appreciation for your service? Yes. Yes, indeed. Truly, thank you so much. Your service, it, it, it's the kind of sacrificial, selfless sacrifice that Jesus calls all of his followers to. Jesus, who himself, taking on the very nature of a servant, he made himself nothing and gave his life so that we could live. That's good news, wouldn't you agree? That's good news, wouldn't you agree? So we have the opportunity this morning to celebrate the story of God's love together. So let's stand and do that very thing.
benedictions Come lay them down at the foot of the cross Jesus is waiting God so loved the world Amen Y'all may be seated Check this out Over the next month, members of fellowship will have the opportunity to nominate new elders to the elder board. In our church governance structure, the elder board is made up of godly men who make critical and significant decisions on behalf of our body. We are not a church with elders. We are a church led by elders. The nomination and recognition process are very important to the health of our church family. Here is what we are asking members of fellowship to do. First. Please pray for the elder nomination process and discern whether you should nominate someone to the office of elder. Second, if you do have a nomination, please visit fellowshipnwa.org forward slash elder nomination and complete the online form. Please read the accompanying document entitled Qualifications of an Elder before making your nomination. If you prefer a paper nomination form, you may pick up one at the information desk in the worship center foyer at each campus. The nomination form will be attached to the qualifications of an elder document. Please mail paper nominations to the church office on the Rogers campus to the attention of the elders. The deadline for making a nomination is December 11. Please pray for your elders as we initiate the process of recognizing new elders. Finally, we thank Scott Thompson and Roger Hill for their years of faithful service as elders. They have represented you and the Lord well during their tenure. When you see them, please thank these gentlemen for their faithful service. On another note, a few of the buildings on our Rogers campus need some attention. The Family Center was completed in 1991. The Worship Center and Foyer were completed in 1999. That's a quarter of a century. The elders have approved moving forward with much needed improvements to those buildings. The cost is estimated to be approximately $4.5 million. We don't want to go into debt for this project and we have proven on initiatives of much larger scale that we can get this done if all our congregations work together. My wife Denise and I will be setting up monthly recurring gifts to do our part and I hope you will too. No gift is too large or too small. And remember, it's not about equal giving, but equal sacrifice. On the giving page of our website, you will find capital improvements. You can make a contribution there or set up recurring gifts. We already have $1.3 million in donations, so we are well on our way. God continues to do great things through Fellowship Bible Church of Northwest Arkansas. Thank you for playing an active role in this great ministry. God bless you, everyone. We are so glad that you chose to worship here, and it's fun to be in a family of believers in a full house here that's going to get to worship together today. I'm Jason McMahon. This is my wife, Melissa McMahon. And we also have the FSM students with us this morning over here, which also means that two of our kids are over here. Hi, guys. Oh, they're going to. There he goes. He's yeah, they're going to be so embarrassed. <laughs> they're going to say that's so mid, probably. A lot of you don't know what that means, but the students are like, yes. Okay. We just heard from Mickey at the very end about some exciting things about remodeling, refreshing this building for what the future is. That's my favorite part of this, is like, where, where are we going with this? And so even like you and I, we gotta talk about how are we gonna jump on and be a part of this as a part of our family's ministry and donating. So the information's on the screen for you to be able to know where to go to donate. You can get on the app. There's lots of ways to do that. Next up, next week, we have Legacy Ministry. And so if you're one of our seniors, next Sunday, at 10.30, we'll have a service in the Family Center for you to join, and we'd love for you to join there in that ministry. And also, Springdale community, we have a super exciting thing happening next Sunday, November 12th. 
at the Helen Tyson Middle School cafeteria from 6 to 7.30, Springdale community will be gathering to discuss homelessness in the community and a Christmas initiative on how you guys are going to help support those families in, transi in transition this holiday season. The only thing that we ask is just use discretion in bringing kids to this initial event because it's going to be mainly to discuss details and sign-ups and prayer for the families that you'll be serving this holiday. So excited to see you guys there for that. Today is the day, the marriage enrichment night, which actually is at 3.30, by the way, so it's a marriage enrichment afternoon, that some of you are like hitting your wife right now and going, I signed us up for that four months ago, and I forgot it's today. Anybody like that? Don't raise your hand. And also, just to throw that in, is fall ball is over now, right? Yes. So you should have nothing to do today. You should have all the time in the world to go. Yeah, you're in this great season between sports, right? So I know it's going to come up because we have these things all the time that's like, man, should we go? I know we signed up. You can still even go today if you want to sign up online. The information's on the screen. They still have childcare, but you have to register. So you are invited to that. We have a great speaker coming in to enrich your marriage. All right. If you guys will stand up with us here as we pray. Let's take a deep breath together. I'm going to lead us in prayer. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for a church that cares for the homeless, that cares for marriages, that cares for our teens, for our families that we get to participate in. We're so glad, Lord, that you have led us to this place as families. We pray, Lord, that a couple weeks ago, we got to study about justification in here, and we sang songs about justification. And then last week, we prayed, we sang songs about sanctification. And today is gonna to be an exciting worship of us pouring our hearts out in song and in word and in prayer for the glorification where you come and renew this planet for us so that Jesus might be glorified for the work of the cross. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen.
rest in his promises, amen. There's spiritual rest for our souls and our confidence is not in us, but it's in him, amen. So let's sing it out, I will rest. I will rest on your promise, in your promises. My confidence is in your faithfulness, is your faithfulness. I will rest in all your promises. My confidence is in your faithfulness. I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. I will rest in your promises. My may be seated. Let the Apostle Paul's words wash over you from his word in 2 Corinthians, his letter to the church at Corinth. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. It is God who enables us along with you to stand firm for Christ. And he has commissioned us, he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. Everything that he has promised us. And because Jesus, the name above every other name, a name that every knee will bow to and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father because he stands among and above all others. There's absolutely nothing, absolutely no one that can stand in the way of him keeping his promises, amen. He alone can keep every single one of his promises. And that is worth a family of God celebrating. Would you agree? Yes, indeed. So let's do just that. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Yes, he is. Oh, what a
here, just your voice is singing out. Remain standing, if you would, for the reading of God's word. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have told you often, you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for the book of Philippians that we're able to study through, and we just pray that you would give us wisdom, you would illumine us, you would guide us this morning. Pray that you would convict us of sin and you would challenge us, but you would also just move in a wonderful way in our hearts and minds as we study your word. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, you have to have a passport if you want to go to Paris. It's just plain and simple. If you want to go to Paris, you have to have one of these. Matter of fact, it's so true that oftentimes the airlines won't even let you get on the plane to go because they know as soon as you get there, they'll just have to send you home. You have to have a passport if you want to go to Paris. You know, it became abundantly clear to my family a number of years ago when um, my daughter graduated high school, and so my mom and my daughter and my wife were going to go on a, a girl's trip to Paris. And so the night before, you know, you're getting everything ready. My wife goes to the place where we keep important documents to get the passport, and guess what? It's not there. And pretty quickly, anxiety turns to panic, and we start calling the helpline. It turns out there's a passport facility in Hot Springs. Who would have known? Been nice of his Little Rock, maybe even North of Arkansas, but no, it's Hot Springs. But so we load up in the car, my daughter and myself, and, and we're gonna drive to Hot Springs through the night. We're gonna be there right when they open, and we're gonna get us a passport, another passport. And so as we're driving through the night, we get there, we're the first ones in line. They're very kind, they help us out, and, and they're saying, you know, I said, hey, I, I'm trying to get back to a plane in North of Arkansas by like 11 a.m., or maybe it's 12, and, and it, you know, the time is gonna be tough to work out, and the guy's like, hey, it's gonna take 45 minutes. And so I realized at that point that if we get that new passport, we're not gonna make, she's not gonna make the flight there. Fortunately, we had taken their bag with us. I was gonna drive her to Dallas or Little Rock or whatever I had to do. To do. And, and on the way down, my wife had called and said, I think I might know what happened, which is really good because what happens in our home oftentimes, she's so like conscientious, I just, I knew it was my fault. Even though I hadn't touched the passport, I knew it's always my fault. And so I'm just like, I don't know what happened. Matter of fact, it's funny. I asked for my passport last night and she gave me one. It's got holes in it. You know what that means? It means it's not my passport. This is an old one. She won't even give me my current one. So, but usually it's my fault. And so I said, somehow this has got to be my fault. She was even looking at me like, somehow this has got to be your fault. And, and, but but she, anyway, she calls me while we're driving through the night. She says, I think I know what happened. And it could be at the DMV. I'll call as soon as the, they open in the morning. So we're in the passport office. They don't let you take your phone in. So I said, hey, can I run outside real quick and check? And so I run outside and check. And sure enough, she's like, hey, I got the passport. The DMV had it. And I said, did they have it? Well, no, they mailed it to our house. It's in our mailbox. <sighs> 
So you have it in your hand. She's like, I have it in her hand. So we turn around, we drive. We may have exceeded the speed limit all the way straight to X and A. We literally just give her a kiss. She gets on the plane with my mom, my wife, and everything worked out. Thank goodness. But the truth is you have to have one of these to go anywhere. You have to have one of these if you want to go to Paris. And that, that's very true this morning. Matter of fact, you have to have, the only way you can get one of these is, is if you're a citizen of this country. You're either a naturalized citizen or you're born here. I looked it up, and if you, in your citizenship, you actually take an oath. Look at the oath with me. I hereby declare on oath that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potentate, I had to look that one up, state or sovereignty of whom or which I have heretofore, it's really hard for someone from Arkansas, I can't imagine if English wasn't your first language, heretofore been a subject or citizen that I will support and defend the Constitution and laws of the United States of America against all enemies. Matter of fact, veterans, if you keep reading, it talks about that you're willing to defend this country. That's a pretty big statement, isn't it? And what we're looking in our passage today is Paul is going to talk to the Philippians and call them citizens of heaven. He's going to call them citizens of heaven. Matter of fact, in that passage we just read, I highlighted a couple, and, and, and he's comparing two groups of people. He's actually comparing enemies of the cross with citizens of heaven. And it's going to be a very challenging passage. And for this group... There's some characteristics that we should live by, and hopefully that will inform us today. If you want to turn in your Philippians journal, we are in week nine of our study. Now, what's interesting about this idea of citizenship, this would have been very applicable to the Philippians because they were living in Macedonia, in Philippi, but they were actually Roman citizens. It's very interesting. It's a very interesting concept. And so they were Roman citizens. They had citizenship. They might have been very proud of that, but they were living seven, 800 miles away in Macedonia and Philippi. It was kind of a special privilege they had as Philippians. And so we're in week nine, our future glorification. But what I want to do for you is review just a little bit of where we've been. So we're in week nine, but we're in week three of kind of this mini-series, this salvation series. And two weeks ago, Sam Hannon talked about justification, didn't he? And, and that's when you come to faith in Christ. Oftentimes we call that being saved in the church. But really salvation is much bigger than that. But that's that justification point when you put your faith and trust in Christ and you become saved. You, you become one of God's children. For me, it didn't happen until college. Went to church all my life. Had an attention problem. Didn't really pay attention. But finally I began to figure it out. And justification, it's a hard line. And then, then you had the sanctification process. Caleb Freeman talked to us last week about sanctification. That's your, that's your life as you live life. That's the, the two steps forward, three steps forward, one step back. And you're trying to figure out life. You're dealing with sin well. And hopefully as a believer in Christ, as you live life and you continue to move on, you grow in wisdom, you grow in godliness. But then there's this thing called glorification. And it's a hard line. And it's a time when Jesus returns and amazing things are going to happen. All those who believe in Christ will go spend eternity with him in heaven. And if you think that's clouds and harps, you're mistaken. It's going to be a wonderful thing, a new earth, a new heaven, the scriptures talk about. So here's our big idea this morning. Your eternal destiny, where you're headed, whether it's eternal life with Jesus or destruction, wherever you're headed, it empowers your current reality, your eternal destination, it, empower, it impacts your everyday decisions. It empowers, enables, it fuels how you live as a foreigner in a foreign land because those who are citizens of heaven, those who believe in Christ, you're living as not your home. Your homeland is out there and you're living here as a foreigner in a foreign land. Here's a good statement that I heard. The world is not the way it should be. It's, it's not the way it used to be or the way I necessarily want it to be, but it is not also how it someday will be. You see, Jesus is going to come and he's going to renew this earth. And he's going to change it and it's going to be eternity and it's going to be wonderful. 
We pick up our study in Philippians chapter three, verse 17. Look at this. He says this, join together in following my example. It's a pretty strong statement, isn't it? Brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Paul challenges the Philippians to follow his example. He's not saying he's the example. He's saying, follow me as a example. He's, you know, if you look back in the, the book of Philippians, you know he's not perfect, but he's living his life in such a way that he's, he's pursuing Christ. And he's saying, hey, follow my example. If you look back last week to Caleb's teaching, the text, you might see in, in verse 12, he says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of for me. And down in verse 13, he says, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You see, in this sanctification process, it does take some effort that we have to show up and sometimes we, we need to, to serve others by giving or serve others by showing up. And it's, it is hard. Paul talks about it. It's, it's, it's like a, Jesus talks about it. It's like a taking up of your cross. But back to our passage. He says, join together in following my examples, brothers and sisters. I think it's really interesting there, the very first words of the passage. We, we don't want to skip over it. He says, join together. Because it's not something you do on your own. It's something you do with others. At fellowship, we call that small group, don't we? We call that cell group or community group. But you need some people in your life who will tell you the truth. And Paul's saying, you need some people in your life who you can look to them and follow their example. They don't have to be perfect. They are a example, not the example. He says, you have us as a model. He must be speaking about him and Timothy and, and Epaphroditus. And then he says, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. He, it seems like he's kind of pointing to the church at Philippi. He says, you know Lydia who started the church? Man, she's a great example. And the jailer, gosh, by now he's probably an elder in the church. His family's there, hopefully. It's growing. Hopefully they're growing their faith in Christ. He's, follow his example. Or you remember the, the demon-possessed girl? Man, she's probably rolling and loves the Lord. And follow her example. Anyone who's walking with the Lord, follow their example. Whoever's in your small group, your small group context, your community group, or your cell group. My daughter, Lexi, lives in Dallas, and she's at a church that does small groups. And she was telling me about their group. They have a young marriage group. And she was saying that in their group, the young lady who had a husband was, was, was interested in, and she felt led to challenge one of the other guys in the group and how he treated his wife. Can you imagine? And so along with her husband, they call him up and they say, hey, we love you, we care about you, but we, we are concerned about this. And it sounds kind of like, man, you're in my business a little bit, doesn't it? But that's the kind of thing we're talking about. That's what Paul is talking about here. You've got to have people who will call you out, who will challenge you in the hard things of life. And that brings us to our first point. Those who are, are, are citizens of heaven consistently walk with others. They consistently walk with others. You have other people in your life who will challenge you, who will lead you, who will encourage you. Look at verse 18, second point. Citizens of heaven carefully watch for pretenders. They carefully are on their guard. Here's what the verse says. For, I was, for as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Think about what Paul's saying there. Hey, watch out for these people. I've told you before about him, and watch out for him. And he's telling him he's weeping. This is really serious. I don't know of another place in Scripture that Paul talks about weeping over something. So he's really concerned about this enemies of Christ people. Now, I'm not really sure who they are. I think they could be one of two groups. They could be a group that's called the Judaizers. He's talked about them, I think, just previously in the chapter, called them dogs. But Judaizers, they, just, they hold to the law so firmly that they ignore Christ. They ignore the cross of Christ. They, they're, they're concerned about circumcision, the body. 
They're concerned about your diet and what you eat, and they're so concerned about it, they're actually worshiping the body and what they do well. Or, or this group could be these people that, that theologians call the antinomiums. And I don't really understand all that means, but basically who they are is anything goes. Man, just do you. Whatever feels good, do it. Sounds a little similar, doesn't it? I was thinking about that, that uh, Burger King commercial. Can't get it out of my head. BK, have it your way. That's kind of our world, isn't it? Anyway, whoever this group of people is, he's saying, watch out for them. Watch out for the enemies of Christ. Carefully watch for pretenders. He's weeping over this. You know, a few verses I have to kind of back this up. One's from Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so I'll ask you this. Is the cross foolishness to you or is it power to you? And I'll say if you're in this camp, if it's foolishness, first of all, we're glad you're here. This is the place to be. We want you here. Um, students, if, you, if, you're, if you're wrestling with this, it's okay. Um, you, you're not gonna get to heaven on your parents' faith that you have to reconcile this on your own. I say that to anyone here. You've gotta, you've gotta figure out what do you believe about Jesus, his birth, his death, his, his perfect life, his glorious resurrection. What do you believe about that? And have you placed your faith and trust in Christ? And, and I'll challenge you, do, do three things. If you're not a believer in Christ, I challenge you to do three things. One, ask the Lord to Open your eyes to know him. Say, Lord, I want to know you. Would you show me? I believe he will answer that prayer. Second thing, would you search the scriptures? Just begin reading the scriptures. Pick a book like First Peter or the book of John or uh, even the book of Proverbs. It talks about the difference between foolishness and wisdom. Just start reading a book of the Bible and then process that with another person. A person who Paul's talking about is maybe one of these citizens of heaven, somebody you respect, somebody that makes a good example for you. Hey, there's one thing I want you not to do. Don't look for this on social media. Don't look for the answers there. Don't look for your political views on social media. Don't look for your identity on social media. Look for it in the scriptures. Galatians 2.20 is a great verse for that. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And then I love this passage from Mark chapter eight. It's Jesus talking. And he's talking to the crowd and he's talking to the disciples and he says, whoever wants to be my disciple, a disciple is a, a learner, a follower of Jesus, someone who's committed. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. And you know, the first step to being a disciple of Jesus is getting this punched. And, and, you're, and if you, it's punched, you're eagerly awaiting for the return of Jesus. You, you understand the cross and all that he did on the cross, and you're eagerly waiting his return. Look at verse 19 with me. He gives some, some characteristics of these enemies. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame, and their mind is set on earthly things. The most fascinating one there for me is that destruction word because it's not exactly what you think it would be. It's actually this. It's destroyed in the fact that salvation opportunity is lost. Here's what one theologian says. This word, this, this, this destruction word, it refers to the state after death wherein exclusion from salvation is realized instead of becoming what one might have been is lost and ruined. And what he's talking about is someday Jesus is going to return. And at that point, the opportunity for salvation is no longer an option. And he's calling these enemies of the cross, their, their destiny is destruction. And I'll say that for anyone in here right now, your destiny is in the air if you're not a believer in Christ. And you have the opportunity to be a citizen of heaven. 
Their God is their stomach. They're so concerned about their body that they want to feed their stomach. And for the Judaizer, that would be doing the right thing, circumcision, a kosher diet, and all the things, doing it right in order to elevate self. For these antinomiums, it would be just doing whatever your desire wants, whatever your body wants, whatever your belly wants. Somebody's probably going, oh, he said belly. I wonder what's for lunch. You know, it's, that's how quick we get off, right? But it's, it's just feeding those desires. Paul is warning the Philippians against this type of person. Their glory is in their shame, that what they're doing with their body is sinful, shameful. Their mindset is set on earthly things. The citizen of heaven, we're going to see in just a moment, is focused on heavenly things, but the, the enemy of the cross of Christ is set on earthly things. Well, the, the challenge for this is to carefully watch for those pretenders. So how do you do this? How do you think you do this? You know, for Sherry and I, we've got something we practice. I think I've shared it before. It's, it's really simple. Um, one of my mentors one time challenged me to read the Pro- book of Proverbs over and over, so I did it for years. I do it off and on now, kind of a daily thing. I'll pick the, pick the proverb of the day. And One day when I was in Proverbs 22, came across this verse, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. And at first glance, okay, that sounds like a simple verse, but I think it's a great verse for watching for pretenders. And what he's saying here is that what the prudent does, the prudent looks down the road and the prudent looks for danger. And what do they do? They hide themselves. But the simple just go on. And the way we look down the road in our family is we pray and we say, Lord, just give us wisdom on who, where to go, who to do things with, what things we should do and what we shouldn't do. Lord, we submit to your wisdom. And I tell you time and time again, the Lord supernaturally leads us. He supernaturally builds hedge of protection around us. It's powerful. And I'm, I'm not talking about the kind of family where you're, you're building walls and you're never going outside those walls. I'm not talking about that at all. This is the type of person who lives life in the world because you gotta live life in the world but you're looking down the road. You're carefully watching for pretenders and these, these enemies of the cross of Christ, you're saying, man, our family's gonna have nothing to do with that. And you're protecting yourself and you're protecting your family against that. Hey, in addition to consistently walking with others and carefully watching for pretenders, those enemies of the cross, a citizen of heaven, a third thing they do is they eagerly await a savior. They eagerly await a savior. Look at the text. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, if you're a believer in Christ, you're living here on earth, but your citizenship is there. You literally have your passport. You have it punched. You're ready to cross the threshold as soon as Jesus returns. It's a powerful feeling, and and for me, it it informs the way I live today. We We eagerly await a savior. And it's interesting there, that word citizen is a very powerful word. And Paul actually uses it one other time in the, the book of, at least one other time in the book of Philippians in, in chapter one. It's the word polytume, polytume. And it, if you look at it, it, it's actually where we get our word politics from, polytume, citizenship. And, it, and what it's talking about, it's this idea of the manner in which you conduct your life. And it's used in, in chapter one and verse 27. Um, it's the verb form, but it, it's, uh, it's, it says this, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Or the ESV actually says, let the manner of your conduct, your behavior, let the manner of your life, your polytume, be equal with the gospel. So the person who's a citizen of heaven lives this, this gospel-centered life, this, this cross-bearing life. But our citizenship is in heaven. And look at the second part of that verse. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's an interesting part of this point is there's this, actually a second part to it. We, not only do we eagerly await a Savior, if you look at verse 21, there's something else we eagerly await, and I think you'll be really interested. It says, The Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, 
will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. You see, we're not only saved from something, the wrath of God through Jesus' death on the cross, and we, we wait his return, we're actually saved to something, that your body is going to be transformed, that you'll have a body in heaven, and that body will be better than the one you have now. And for some of you, I don't know, it may not be a big deal, but for me, I'm pretty excited. The older you get, your body kind of starts to go downhill, doesn't it? Things don't work like they used to. And I'm saying, okay, I'll take my 25-year-old body if that's okay. And, and my body, hopefully in heaven, will be able to dunk a basketball. Because I've always wanted to be able to do that. I've always been slow and that guy that can't jump. But he's saying that your lowly body will be transformed into a glorious body. The enemies of Christ, they worship the body. The citizens of heaven will have a transformed body. Hey, I want to share this verse with you. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I just want you to listen. I don't have it on the screen. Just listen. It says, the body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. So your body's important. It's important. And when you go to glory, when you go to heaven, you're a citizen there. When you go there, your body's going to be transformed, and not only will it be transformed, it'll actually be like Christ. Can you imagine that? 1 John 3, 2 says this. I do have this on the screen. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. So we don't really know all about it. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. See, we're not headed for destruction. We eagerly await transformation our salvation, the future glorification. Here's what C.S. Lewis says. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, then most the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Citizens of heaven, you were made for another world. And you know what's not gonna be in that world? Disease, death, cancer, amen? Abortion clinics, nursing homes, maybe no diets. That'd be really nice, wouldn't it? Not really sure about that one. Speeding tickets, really not sure about that one. ACT exams, who knows? Maybe there's no school. Cats, okay, I made that one up. We always throw, for some reason, that's not, we always throw cats under the bus whenever we're talking about heaven. That's not true. Addiction, no more addiction. No more mental illness. Does that sound pretty good? The scriptures speak of, of, of heaven being the new earth, new heaven, new earth. See, I think it's gonna be more like today's earth than we realize, except without the problems, without sin. No more weeds, or at least if they are, they'll pull themselves, so no problem. Randy Alcorn says, imagine your best day on earth. Just imagine it. What would you do? Where would you be? Who would you be with? Imagine, it. would it be fall time? Would it be summer? Would you be at the beach? Would you be in the Ozarks, the leaves changing? Who would you be with? If you need to close your eyes, close. imagine the smells. Imagine just what you would do that day. And what Alcorn says is that day pales in comparison to one day in glory. I think it's gonna be beautiful. I think it's going to be what our heart has always longed for. You know, it says, uh, there's a, we love story, don't we? And, and what does it always, at the end of the story, what's it always say? Happily ever after. I think that's what our heart longs for. And I think that's what's going to happen for citizens of heaven, for those who have their passport punched. And I hope by God's grace you, you're figuring that out. We would love to partner with you in figuring that out. Revelation 21 says this. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Now listen. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning 
nor crying, nor pain, no more pain, for the former things have passed away. You see, hope is not something we wish for, it's something we wait for. Isn't that awesome? Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that you are the most high God and that you love us so much that you came down from heaven and died for us. And Lord, we thank you that you one day are coming back to get us. And I pray that we would understand, every person in this room would understand what it means to be a citizen of heaven. Lord, I pray that we would choose to follow you all the days of our life and we would be ready for your return. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Fellowship, I know how the story ends, do you? I know how the story ends because there's gonna be no more sadness, no more sin. I know how this story ends, a future without sickness or disease or death. You see, one day soon, he will return and we will be with him again. All loneliness, depression, addiction, it will end. Church, we know how this story ends. All terror, all wars, all fears will forever cease. Because of Jesus, no more fear in life or death. Citizens of heaven, we know how this story ends. Would you stand and worship the King with us?
It's always an honor. It's always a blessing to get together with you, celebrate Jesus together, celebrate our unity in Christ, all the other stuff that we know is true. I want to announce two things to really remind the uh, marriage enrichment night. I want to remind you of that. 3.30 p.m., correct? Marriage enrichment. I said that. I was making some jokes backstage, and I was, anyway. Marriage Enrichment Night, 3.30 p.m., and then the Thompsons are in the prayer room, which is to my left and your right. So if you want somebody to pray with this morning, please take advantage of that. The Thompsons will be there. So that's it, fellowship. Be safe going out, and uh, we'll see you next week.